Hey friends, this is Fun Therapy, and my name is Mike Foster, and together we're going to dive into the messy and the brutal, but oh-so-beautiful parts of our not-so-perfect stories, and we're going to do it with a smile. You see, our goal here each week is to prioritize creating some space, space to breathe, space to reset, and space to heal. We'll make room in our hearts for hope and love and acceptance. Let's you and I create space to explore and to dream and to find out just how wonderful and important it is to be loved just as we are today. My name is Mike Foster and this is Fun Therapy. Friends, I am so thrilled. This is our official kickoff to season four. We have some incredible episodes coming up, and I don't want you to miss a thing. So if you're new here, welcome. And why don't you take a moment and just hit that subscribe button, just so you don't miss any of the uh, upcoming episodes. I, I I can't wait for you to hear these these guests and these topics, and I know it's going to be really helpful to you. Also, let us know what you think by rating and reviewing the Fun Therapy Podcast. That really helps me and it really helps the podcast. And if you're a regular listener, can I ask you a favor also? Can you share right now that you're listening to the Fun Therapy Podcast? Take a quick screen capture of the player you're listening on right now or or just reshare some of my posts from uh, Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. That really helps and it would mean a lot to me. Uh, especially with us starting off this new season. We've been on a break for a while, but now that we're into season four, I could use your help. Also, uh, just a quick announcement. I have a free download for you this week. It's it's called Brain Detox. It's a seven-day guide to a calmer, clear, and uncluttered mind. It's a short guide that uh, will help you this week detox from the negativity of life, and that is often... Uh, swimming around in our brains and help you connect into your heart. It's at my website, mikefoster.tv. It's totally free and you can get it right now and start your brain detox this week. On this episode of Fun Therapy, I am joined by my friend Kayla Stecklin. And friends, I can't wait for you to hear this, this conversation. It is powerful, it is raw, it is honest and it is hopeful. Just over a year ago, Kayla lost her husband, Andrew, to suicide. Left with three boys and overwhelming and shocking loss, Kayla is now discovering what it looks like to lean into both grief and hope in finding the path to true healing. And now my conversation with Kayla Stecklin on this episode of Fun Therapy. I am still sitting in a place of unknown 
I still am sitting in a place where my life has this giant question mark on it. And I went from having this life of certainty and I could predict the next 20 years to now this life of like, what is my life going to look like? What is my life going to be? God, what are you doing? So it's sitting in this season and like being okay with the uncertainty and being okay with the question mark and and finding a way to have peace in a very um, chaotic season as well. You know, I have these three little beautiful gifts, these three little boys that I'm raising by myself and they're boys and I'm a girl and I have no idea what I'm doing. And they're three and five and six years old. And that in itself is a challenge and I'm learning a ton and I'm also, it's a release of like, okay, I I know that like I'm not parenting them alone and I know that God is their father and that he is doing it with me and that I don't have to do it alone. But there is also just this question mark and this uncertainty of like, how am I going to raise these three beautiful boys on my own and how am I going to provide a beautiful life for them and how am I going to continue to lead them as they continue to grow and as as with each new stage their grief also changes and grows and so I think I sit in the place I'm at today and I look to the future with not fear, like I'm not afraid of the future, but more of like very, very curious and I and full of like wonder of like what the next five years are going to look like. And that's a really strange place to be mm-hmm. sitting in. And as you think about that question mark in, in, in the future, how, how far can you see out? How, like, is it, is it days? Is it weeks? Like, is it minutes? Like, what is it? What does that look like for you? Yeah, I think it's more, I have things on the calendar, you know, in this next year, I have different things on the calendar and different trips and different events and different things to look forward to. Like, that's been so helpful to have things to look forward to. Um, But it, But it really is sitting in a season where it's one day at a time. Mm -hmm. And each day, I do not know what that day is going to hold. And that day could go completely, because of grief, that day could go completely different than I thought it was going to go. Because grief is unpredictable. And because grief hides out and sneaks up on you and the waves come out of nowhere and knock you down. And and so it really is just this one day at a time journey. And I think I have like vision for what I want my life to look like in one year and five years and 10 years. But that vision is very, very, very loose. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's leaning into God and 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 taking it one day at a time and that's enough (laughs) like okay focus on today what do I need to get done today 
and where do I need to be? What do I need to be sitting in today? And what work do I need to be doing today? And then put it away. And then it's the next day and it's okay. What do I need to do today? So it really still is for me. Yeah. That one day at a time. Mm-hmm. And as you talk, as you, as you said, kind of sitting, sitting in certain things and sitting in the grief, what is the, what's the most uncomfortable part of sitting in it? Or what is the thing that is most unsettling when you have to, when grief invites you to sit mm-hmm. in it? Like what, what piece of it for you feels unsettling? You want to run away from it. You so, mm-hmm. because it's so painful. It's so incredibly deeply painful that everything in you wants to run away from it. Mm-hmm. But instead, I've learned that, that for me, I have to run to it. And so it's this running to those moments when they come, like Monday this week. I got a text that my husband's headstone was installed, and it's been a year, and I've um, been waiting for that text and been wondering you know, when it was going to get installed. And so I was thankful that that had finally happened and that that's there to honor him. And as soon as I got that text, um, I threw on a beanie and got in my car and drove to the cemetery and just ran straight to it. And and sitting in it um, for me is like just allowing that wave to crash over and like diving headfirst into it and allowing my body to experience the pain it's like a full body experience and there's sounds and tears and trembling and your body does crazy things grief is a full body experience and those moments are still very very intense and they're more far and few between now but moments like standing there at the cemetery, seeing my husband's headstone for the first time, like those moments are really intense and really painful. So sitting in the grief just looks like sitting in in the worst possible pain. Mm-hmm. And then you sit in it. For me, I, I sit in it until until I have peace, until I feel like I can get up again, until I feel like I can gather myself and take a deep breath and release that pain to God and say, okay, like that's part of my life and that's part of my journey. Um, and that, and I'll move forward, forward with that for the rest of my life. Like that pain is with me always. And that grief is with me always. Um, but it doesn't have to ruin the day and it doesn't have to ruin the week and it doesn't have to take away from the life that I want to live and the life that I want to build for my boys. So I think sitting in it and allowing my body to experience and release that pain and that, that sadness and that grief that it needs to release is the only way that I'll be able to move forward at all Mm. is stopping and giving it the respect that it deserves. Yeah. I imagine these waves are, I mean, it's such a, a perfect picture of 
of grief and you get in just the sense you get hit by a wave. And I imagine there's five foot tall waves and I'm sure there's 50 foot tall waves. And, but it is this, it's almost the surprise that, that happens. And I, I, I wonder like, you know, in terms of with the gravestone, maybe that, that is a wave that, that at some level would be expected to like that would just be loaded with so much emotion and so much pain and so much reality. I imagine there's some moments that just completely come out of left field, the wave, just like, where did that one come from? And what, tell me about those waves and tell me like maybe one in, you know, recently that just kind of, hit you and you weren't, you were totally not expecting it. Yeah. I, a few weeks ago, um, went to my brother-in-law's house. He was helping me with a video project that I was doing for some work stuff. And, and as I was just about to leave, he said, Hey, I, I have, um, these bags in here and, you know, I've had them in here for a while. And, um, do you think that you could take them? <laughs> and I go in there and it's bags and bags and bags of Andrew's clothes and boxes of shoes and all this stuff that was his that I hadn't seen, I hadn't touched in over a year because when he passed away, I cleared out my house right away for me and my grief and the way that he died. like it was too painful for me Mm -hmm. to see his stuff and everybody does that differently. But for me, it was too painful for me to see his stuff. So before my boys even came back home, I waited a week to tell them. So before they even came back home, I had friends and family over and we just packed up all of his stuff because I wanted what I was sharing with them to match our environment. I didn't want all his stuff to be there and for them to wonder if daddy was coming back. And so I packed it all up. And so a year, it it would have been over a year later, I'm at my brother-in-law's house for something completely different. I'm not not going over there thinking I'm going to be seeing my husband's clothes. And and he asks me to take the clothes. And I, of course, want to take them because I know that it's that I need to. And they don't need to be sitting around his house. And he doesn't need to be able to see them every day, you know, and that pain for him as a brother. And so I packed them all up in my car and brought them to my house. And I knew that I couldn't leave them in my car and I couldn't leave them in my garage because my boys would have seen them and I didn't want to cause them grief. So I, that day ended up being me sitting on my floor and going through bags of his clothes and sitting in the pain all over again and I did not expect my day to go that way at all um so it's things like that that like you just you cannot plan for in grief like I did not plan for that I did not plan for this week you know my Monday to be at the cemetery staring at my husband's headstone like there's there's um a lot of hidden grief like it could be a spot that we went to for a date night that I that I randomly drive by that I forgot that that was there I forgot that we went there that that 
brings back grief. This last week I went to Vegas and I was speaking at an event in Vegas and I um, didn't even think about it before I went. But as I got there and we're driving down the strip because we're staying on the strip in a hotel, I remembered that the last time I was in Vegas was with Andrew and it was our last road trip in July. He passed away in August and we had taken this two week road trip in July and we had stopped in Vegas for a night for my birthday. And we stayed at the Bellagio, we saw a Cirque du Soleil show and as we're driving down the strip, as I'm driving down the strip for this women's event, all these memories of the last time I was there from Andrew come flooding in. Grief is so squishy and so undefined and difficult to put into words. It is our soul and body's response to irreplaceable loss in our lives. It's a sadness that presses into our spirit. It plants itself in our souls when something in our lives dies. It doesn't just have to be a person. It can be the death of a job, the death of a relationship, the death of a marriage, a death of a way of life, a dream we once had, and obviously the death of a loved one or a friend. And it sometimes feels like a sad, dark breeze, and sometimes it is a raging hurricane. And let me ask you, what are you grieving today? What loss has happened in your story? And no matter what has happened, no matter what has been lost, we must lean into the grief process. Because if you try to ignore it or vary it or try to go around grief, you set a new rule for your life. And it is the rule that says you will not honor your pain and thus you undermine your power. We'll be right back in just a moment. So friends, I want to I want to personally invite you to my upcoming workshop. I love for us to spend 2 days together working on your life. It's a 2-day fun therapy event in the San Diego area. It's like group therapy meets life boot camp and it has the potential to totally transform your life. Uh, why waste the next year? dabbling or tiptoeing around your potential. It's time to enter a powerful judgment-free zone and find your true voice, your true self, and build practices for growth and learn how to get out of your own way. You can register right now at my website at mikefoster.tv. That's mikefoster.tv. And now back to my conversation with Kayla as we continue to process the grief journey together. Yeah, going through the clothes was so hard and the images, for me, it's like a 
reel, it was like a video reel, started playing mm. as soon as I started sorting through the clothes. And with each piece of clothes in my mind, this video starts playing of him wearing it and us going out on a date or him standing on the stage at church giving a message or him playing in the backyard with the boys or him walking down the stairs in his robe. <laughs> our, our, the shirt that he wore on our wedding day was in the pile. So that mm -hmm. image of him on our wedding day wearing that shirt so many there's so many memories attached to clothes and even the clothes that I have now that I see in my closet that have memories attached to Andrew so a lot of it it is painful but it's also beautiful and mm -hmm. I can pick up a shirt and all these memories that I haven't thought about in a long time like come back to life and it's this remembering and it's these beautiful moments that we had together and it's honoring the life that he lived and the honoring of those moments that we had together while he was here. And then it's also a missing mm. and, a, and such a deep missing of I'm never going to see him wear these clothes again. And... Andrew was a shoe guy, <laughs> so there was tons of pairs of shoes, and a few of the shoes were brand new because he had just gone back to work, and so he had got these brand new shoes for work. And so I'm looking at these shoes, and I'm thinking about just what he had planned for those shoes mm -hmm. and the places he was going to go in those shoes and the things he was going to do in those shoes that he never got a chance to do. So I picked all the my favorite things out of the pile and the things that I thought my boys might like one day. And I packed them away in three bins. I have three bins in my garage with his stuff. And in 10 years or so, I'll pull it out and I'll show the boys and hopefully they're a size 11 shoe and hopefully Adidas and Ruka mm. and Nike is still really cool. And it's going to be a whole nother layer of grief to see them wearing their dad's clothes. It's going to be so beautiful and so special, but also so painful. So it's everything. It's beautiful. It's sacred. It's like this holy thing. And it's also like this deep, painful remembering and missing just this missing of this person that I was one with that I deeply 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 still deeply love yeah. I feel that so that's so real and it is just this combination of this light and darkness all in mixed together, right? And it's so new and so fresh. And and there's sometimes just lacking the words to even know how to describe it. But you are, yeah, you are in it. And I wonder, Kayla, for you, like what has been the thing that 
experiencing this intensity, these intense waves, these intense emotions, this question mark over everything in, in many ways. Like what, what have you found within yourself or what have you learned about Kayla that, that maybe is surprising or that was, had been buried or hidden, but now is being seen because of, of what you're having to walk through right now. I think that I am a lot stronger and capable than I thought that I was. And I depended so much on Andrew, you know, for for everything and to pay the bills and to be the breadwinner and to lead our home. And Andrew just, he, he drove our family, you know, like our family was driven by his vision and his calling and his purpose. And we were all just along for the ride and I loved it. And I was so supportive of him and I loved being a pastor's wife and I loved what we were doing together. And I loved serving him in that way. I was all in. And so it's been so strange for him to be gone and now for me to be the person that's driving my family and driving my life. Like I went from the passenger seat to the driver's seat Mm -hmm. and now I'm the one that gets to decide where we're going to go. And I think it's been really beautiful and special to see what, where God is taking us and being able to lead my family, lead my boys, and lead myself, you know, through that pain and through those windy roads and through this unknown, uncharted territory. And I think I've learned that I am strong and that I am capable and that I can do hard things with God. Mm. Yeah, imagine just, just, and I see that too, by the way, just as, as a friend and watching you over the past year, there is, there is a fierce strength within you that is so evident to me and I think so evident to those who are watching this, this story unfold with you and the boys and for you, I imagine part of this strength that is required of you is that in the midst of your own grief, you have three boys who are looking to their mom and experiencing their own grief and and needing something very significant in the season. I imagine just like the, those forces pulling at you, like your own heart that is broken and yet, also trying to mend the heart of um, three little boys who miss their dad. Tell me about that. Yeah, I am so, so thankful for my boys. Like I would not be doing as good as I'm doing and I would not be in the place that I'm in if it weren't for my boys. And 
I don't have a choice to get out of bed in the morning. Like I have to get out of bed in the morning because I have these three little boys that come running into my room and are ready for breakfast and are ready to start the day and are happy and joyful and curious and and just excited for life. So I have these three little boys that look just like Andrew. They all have these big, beautiful blue eyes. I have brown eyes and all my boys have these big, beautiful blue eyes, just like their dad. And honestly, like it's really having to parent in my grief and having to raise these three boys in my grief. I think it's helped me not get stuck in the grief and the pain. Like I have the days where I sit in it, but because I have these three boys, like I can only sit in it for so long because they have to be picked up from school and dinner has to be made and bedtime has to happen. And I have to get up in the morning and make breakfast and pack lunches and drop them off at a certain time and soccer games on Saturdays and all the things, you know, like they still deserve and I still deserve this happy, beautiful life. And so it's, it's a really strange place to be in where you're so overcome with pain, yet you also have these three little bundles of joy that live in my home that remind mm-hmm. me that life is beautiful and that and that helped me stay curious and that helped me laugh <laughs> mm. and that helped me keep going and helped me not get stuck in the depression that comes with grief and the pain that comes with grief and they honestly they just keep me going they really do and i'm so thankful like god knew that i was going to need three reasons to get out of bed in the morning and he gave me these three boys and and the season that i'm in with them because they're so little like they're just protected from the grief in a different way because mm. they're so little and they can only understand so much and and so they just still want to do the same things that kids want to do. You know, they want to go rock climbing and they want to go to the beach and they want to go to Disneyland and they want to go to soccer. And so it keeps me um, doing things that are full of life. It keeps me seeking things that are happy and joyful and fun. And it keeps me playing and it keeps me curious and it keeps me going on adventures and I I don't think I would be doing all those things if I didn't have my three boys Mm -hmm. they're they're gifts to you Mm -hmm. and I wonder and I know this is this is a a tender question but um and and don't feel like you have to to answer this but if you were to able to say something to Andrew mm. what, what would you what would you say to him what what would you want him to know yeah I would want him to know just I love you like I love you and you didn't have to leave and I'm so sorry 
for your pain. And I'm so sorry that the pain was so deep and I didn't see it. And I wish, I would, I would tell him that I wish he would have helped me understand his pain. And I wish he would have helped me to know how bad it was. And I wish he would have been able to articulate how he was really feeling. And I just wish he was here. Like every single day I wake up and I just wish he was here and I wish this wasn't my life. It's like waking up to a recurring nightmare. It's like the groundhog day that Mm -hmm. never ends. Like every single day I wake up and I'm reminded that he's gone and I'm still here. And I still have these three boys and life continues to go on um, whether I like it or not. Mm. What do you think he would say to you? I think he would be really proud of me. I think he would say I'm proud of you and I'm sorry. I think he would say I'm sorry and I wish I would have stayed. And I think he would look at the boys and I think he would cradle their face in his hands and he would get down on his knees and look them in the eyes and say, I love you and I'm sorry. I just know like so deep down in my core that Andrew didn't want to die. Like he did not want to die. He just wanted his pain to end. And that's the lie of suicide. It's like this lie that it's going to relieve your pain but all it does is displace your pain it takes your pain and it puts it into the laps of all the people that you love Mm -hmm. and so I think he would just want to hold all of us and cry with us and just say I love you and I'm so sorry and I know that if he could be here he would Friends, can we just sit in this moment with Kayla and those who are brokenhearted because they have lost someone to suicide? I don't know. Can we we lay aside all our ideas and thoughts and whatever opinions we have about the topic and just in every way for everyone choose radical compassion to choose empathy and I want to invite you right now whatever you have lost whatever you have loved that you miss so much right now I want to invite you to feel that just like Kayla feels it it is tender it is vulnerable But in that place of honesty, in that truth, where we allow our heart to feel deeply about the loss, we can expand our hearts. We we can open ourselves in this place to 
new layers of strength that lie within. So whatever your grief work looks like right now, you're invited into an experience, an experience that is one of the most sacred things we can do as a human being. The thing that your heart needs in this moment. Just healing. Mm. It still is so broken and shattered and the pain is just still so raw and real and I don't know how long that lasts. I mean, it's been over a year and it's still so fresh and so raw mm -hmm. and so painful. So my heart is still broken and my heart just still needs healing. Yeah. A lot of a lot of grace and a lot of healing. Mm. Yeah. It's it is um It is so fresh, isn't it? I mean, just that is such an accurate description. And, and I think sometimes in the process of grief and when we lose someone so precious and dear to us that, that I, I'm sure there's probably well-meaning people and even maybe even yourself at times where and maybe this is the grace piece of it where it's like, how much longer? right mm -hmm. and why why aren't i farther and why is it still so tender i, I imagine you wrestle with those those thoughts yeah i think i think before i entered this grief i would have assumed that after a year or 5 years or 10 years you know like you're supposed to feel a certain way or it's supposed to be better. You're mm. supposed to move on. And I think that's one of the most misconceptions with grief is that mm. you move on yeah. because you don't move on. You just, you do not move on with grief. You move forward with it and it's always going to be there. And it's always going to be this thing that's there that, that you have to learn how to build a beautiful life around. And I think I really, I never imagined Andrew would be gone. And I never imagined it would be so painful. And I truly think that if you haven't gone through it, you just don't know. Mm -hmm. So when people have assumptions or people think I should be further along than I am or doing better than I am or whatever people think, it's like my thoughts back to them are like, man, they just don't know. They just have no idea. And so it's that grace of like, we have no idea what it's like to live in anybody else's shoes or walk in anybody else's shoes but our own. We have no idea what it's like to live with the thoughts and the pain of anybody else but our own. And so grief is so unique to each of us, and the grief journey is so unique to each of us. And 
each day on the grief journey is so unique to each of us. And I think that's going to be so true for my boys too as they grow and I watch them navigate grief. It's going to be really interesting to see how that grief is unique to each of them. I imagine there's probably been way too many times this year where well-meaning people have just said and done absolutely inappropriate things during in, in the midst of your grief in in the attempt to be helpful in the attempt to um you know <laughs> help right and yet it's been the exact opposite, I'm sure. But I, And I'm sure there's many examples that you could give in this to that question. But I think, I think the better question I would like to ask you is, what are the things that have been most meaningful to you, most healing to your broken heart that people have done uh, in this season? Yeah, I've been so thankful that I truly truly have been surrounded by support from the very beginning and from the very beginning you know my friends and a few people that were on staff at the church came together and formed Kayla's care team they called themselves Kayla's care team Mm -hmm. and they just took care of everything like there were so many letters that came in the mail and so many gifts that came in the mail and people are so kind And they pre-read every single letter and opened every single gift. And they wanted to make sure that there was a filter. So they were my filter for me Mm -hmm. and they were my protection to make sure that there wasn't things that came through that were not nice or or just not not needed and that would add to my pain. And Mm -hmm. so I think one of the most beautiful things for me has been the depth that my friendships have gone. Like I had all these beautiful friends before Andrew died, but it's like the friendships now are so deep. Like the experiences that we've had together because of the grief as friends is just so deep. Um, My friends have, have truly grieved with me and shared in the pain with me just a few weeks ago I was getting dinner with one of my closest friends Kelsey and she was reminding me of this moment that we had together and I didn't remember the moment at all because you know grief I think I've blocked so much out and it was towards the beginning of the grief journey and she was remembering this moment at my house and she had been at my house with me all day packing up the house and I had just put the boys to bed And she was sitting in the living room on these little stairs that lead down to the living room. And she said, I walked into the living room and I just fell to the floor and crumbled to the floor. And that she came over and she just held me and we were sitting together and both of us just crying. And she said we were crying out to God and we were crying in our pain and we just had this like moment together where she was truly sharing in my pain and she was right there in the trenches of the pain with me 
And that's what empathy is like for me like that. I've learned so much about what empathy is and like true empathy is sharing in each other's pain. Like I cannot carry the weight of this pain on my own. And so the most beautiful gift in this season of pain and grief has been friends that truly sit and share in the pain with me and remind me that I'm not carrying it alone. Well, you can connect with Kayla on Instagram at Kayla Stack. That's K-A-Y-L-A-S-T-E-C-K. Make sure to follow her as she beautifully documents her journey of processing grief and raising three boys and finding hope in the midst of tragedy. What she shares, what she talks about, picture that she paints is so incredible and honest and vulnerable i also want to make sure that you check out her website at godsgotthis.com g-o-d-s got g-o-t this t-h-i-s i know i spell these things for you because i don't want you to miss it i want to make sure you get to the right place but godsgotthis.com which is a movement dedicated to comforting hurting people. And uh, Kayla and uh, blogs there and there's uh, products there. And I, I would just love for you and I'd love for us as a fun therapy family to support the work that she is doing. And I also wanna say if you have a friend or, or know someone who has lost someone recently, maybe to suicide or just in the midst of a grieving season, I know it would mean a lot both to to me and to Kayla if you shared this episode with them. Uh, and, and, and let this encourage them and let this be a voice of truth and light uh, in their suffering. It mean a lot to me and mean a lot to Kayla. Uh, I want you to heal and I want you to help others heal also. And that's what this podcast is all about. And it's what Kayla is all about. And so invite some others into this conversation. All right, friends. Well, if you're on iTunes, make sure to rate and review Fun Therapy. And if you haven't subscribed, make sure to do that too. I also want to just say thanks to Sleeping at Last for providing the music for this episode. You can get all of Ryan's music at sleepingatlast.com or on Spotify or iTunes. Uh, Make sure to connect with me at my website at mikefoster.tv or uh, mikefoster2000 on Instagram. And friends, I love you. I believe in you. Keep shining your goodness into each other. And remember, no matter what has happened in your story, no matter what has happened, that your setbacks can become your superpowers. And honesty is always the best policy. We'll see you next time on the Fun Therapy Podcast.